Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. I hope you guys have been enjoying the episodes that we've been putting out. We always, always just love to thank you for your listenership. Thank you for your support. We've done over 150 episodes. And if you guys have been listening, whether you're a longtime listener or a first-time listener, we always want to just thank you for that because we know you're taking time and energy out of your day to listen to what we have to say. And we have the guests come on. And so, yeah, we just want to thank you for that. And we really appreciate that. I don't know if they're, and I always try to get some personal stuff on here. I don't know if anyone else is as excited about football as I am, but football is getting ready to start. They have the Hall of Fame game on. We might put a time, that's going to give a little time stamp to when we recorded this. That's okay, because we're talking about football. And I don't know if anyone else is as excited as I am, but I'm ready for some football. It feels like the summertime is that there's nothing on TV, really. I mean, baseball's on, but come on, who's watching baseball? No one watches baseball. So I'm excited about football season. I hope you are too. With that, as we always do in the beginning of the show, I always like to ask if this is your first time listening or if you've been a longtime listener, please share this episode with someone. Share it with a friend, share it with a family member. Send them this, you know, from whatever app you're listening to on. If you're listening to this on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts rather than, you know, send that to them. If you're listening to this on Spotify, share it wherever you're listening. And with that, we're going to jump right into the show. So today, I'm excited to have this guest on. I've been looking forward to this. We had some scheduling stuff going on, but we made it happen. We finally got on. We had some conflicts, but we got it all taken care of. And this, I hope, this was well worth the wait, in my opinion. I think I can't wait to let her blow your guys' mind with what she's going to talk about. So today, we are joined by Antoinette Monroe. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited, too. Yeah, so... We had a few times where we had to reschedule, but I'm glad we were both persistent. We stayed with it and we got you on. And so for people that don't know who you are yet, because I don't think they're going to they forget, <laughs> forget this. So please tell them a little bit about yourself. I'm Antoinette Monroe, as you said, just a regular girl from Miami, living in Orlando, trying to do what I want to do when I wake up with my day every day. Nothing too exciting. I think that's big. So. I played a little bit of junior college football and we had some guys from Miami. And every time we seen the guys from Miami, they would yell, M-I-A, you know, M-I-A, M-I-A. I was like, okay. So that's what I think, what I think Miami. So I was waiting for you to say M-I-A because that's not, <laughs> no. No. that was a long, 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 long time ago. We were kids then. So I think there's more to it. Tell us more. I know that I'm not this excited just for you to say that. So you got to say a little bit more. You got to give people All some right. more. Cliff Notes, Cliff Notes mm -hmm. from Miami, grew up in the Bajas, Carroll City. You know, those of you who know will know. Youngest of eight, retired at 36 from real estate investing. And I've been living my best life since. So just a little extra, a little extra season in there for you. Hold on, back up. You said retired at 36, but now everybody's listening. Now they're listening. Before they might have, yeah. oh, okay, look, she's being very humble, which as you, you know, humility is always a great thing. However, you said you retired at what age? 36. Okay. Now let's talk about that. Today's episode is going to be 
around financial independence. And we have a 36-year-old that retired, someone that retired at 36. Talk to us about that. So from day one, from my first time taking a job, I knew it wasn't going to work out for me. So my pursuit was always to be able to leave my job early. I thought it was to pursue entrepreneurship. So the journey has taken like several different routes, but ultimately the underlying factor was on just having good money management skills. So I didn't repeat the mistakes that I saw the adults around me making when I was growing up. That was really it. Then when I started working and I realized that work wasn't that much fun, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, all right, well, how do I get out of working as quickly as possible? And I thought it would be to run my own business and be my own boss. But then I discovered real estate investing. So now it became, okay, how can I focus on being an investor, leave my job, and eliminate my need to work altogether? And that was the sweet spot. Combining real estate investing with those financial principles that I had been practicing, uh, putting that together is what led to financial freedom ultimately. Okay, so I got so many questions, so many questions, because I had some other people on that have been a part of the FIRE community. And so the questions we always get is, how? I know you took some principles that you were practicing because knowledge isn't power, right? Applied knowledge is power. So you applied the knowledge that you had Mm -hmm. and took power over your financial situation. But give us the deets. Give us the details because I think that's Let's dig in. Yeah, let's dig in a little bit. All right. So to start, right, with my first job, my very first paycheck, I took the time, I sat down, I created a budget spreadsheet. Don't say, hold on, I got to stop. You said the B word. We don't do that. We can't do that. What do you mean? It's a joke. That's what clients say when I say that to them. Clients like, yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to give it a sexier name for you. I created a five-year life plan. There you go. We got a life plan. <laughs> yes. A five-year life plan anchored by some key budgeting principles to make sure that I was able to achieve the goals that I set. So I call it my budget ABCs. I took my first pay stub, plugged in all the information, and then just balanced out what bills I had coming in making sure it was truly balanced. Most people receive their check. And then when they got that check, they have money, but all your bills come out on the first. So depending on when the check is hitting, you're spending a little bit of time during the month being either cash heavy or cash strapped just because the majority of the bills are hitting on the first, but your check might not be exactly lining up with that. So the balance for me was to make sure that every two weeks when the check came, the bills and the money coming in, they matched. So sometimes I would call and adjust due dates to be able to achieve that. For rent, where you can't adjust the due date, I would split the payments in half. So I knew every paycheck, I had the same amount of disposable income as I did expenses that had to pay. So I never felt like I didn't have money or I had to float something on the credit card until the next check. So for me, that balance was the most important part. Like I knew I was going to have the same amount each time. Then I automated everything. Nobody wants to think about having to manage their money, count what they're spending. So everything was on auto pay. I had a bank account for the bills. The money goes in that's set for that and it goes out. I don't have to be involved and be making life decisions every time I want to buy something. Because I had a separate account for me to spend and a separate account to manage the bills. And then just being consistent with that. Like once you set up the automations for your savings, set up the automations for your bill pay and set up the automations for the money that you have as like discretionary spending, you're not thinking about money anymore. All of the responsible things are happening on autopilot in the background. You're automatically saving, you're automatically paying your bills. 
and you get to just live. I love that. The consistency, right? I did an episode called Consistency is Life's Cheat Code. And I think that the consistency in how you set up your pay, you know what you can and can't do because you know what's going to be in there. And it's the same every right. time you get paid. I love that. I think there's been a lot of things that I've heard in budgeting, but that's the first time I've heard that. I like that. Yeah, it really helps because most of the times when you're using a credit card, it's like, oh, my check, you know, I only got a little bit right now because I just paid all my bills. Mm-hmm. Let me just use the credit card right quick mm-hmm. till the next check. But then you're only paying the minimum and that's mm-hmm. the trap you set yourself in. But if you just balance out your cash, you never have to feel like you need to pull a little extra from somewhere because you have that set consistent amount that you can rely on. So that was key. And just following that helped me achieve significant savings goals and debt repayment. So my first two years out of college, I paid off all my student loan debt. So two years in, following that system, about 32,000 in debt, gone. Okay, Mm -hmm. third year, following that system, 50,000 is now in the bank. Mm -hmm. So in just the first three years of my adult life and being responsible with my money, I'm now debt-free with $50,000. So Mm -hmm. to me, that's what opened up the opportunities to be able to consider different investment vehicles and do something like, you know, buy a house just because I want, I'm ready. I have my down payment, my Mm -hmm. credit's good, my debt is clear. So now I can take advantage of the opportunities that being responsible afforded me. I love that. I want to make sure that we cover this because you talk about budget. Well, now you have like a budgeting ABCs, a fresh take on a balanced budget. Was this part of that? Yeah, that okay. was definitely that. Being okay. able to automate everything, mm-hmm. balance it. Like most people mm-hmm. think of a balanced budget, like the money coming in is the same as the money going out, but they don't mm-hmm. ever get granular to be like the money coming in and coming out each week. Mm-hmm. is also consistent. It's easy if it all balances at the end of 30 days, but if you mm-hmm. had to feel the tightening of not having money and barely making it to that 30th day, that's a little uncomfortable, but being able to have it preset to balance so you know each week what's going to happen versus hoping you make it, yeah. that's the difference. Hoping, because <laughs> there's financial planning, there's financial hoping, and then there's just a hope, wish, and a prayer. So sometimes people do all three of those, but this makes sense. And it seems like it's more about understanding your cash flow, right? It Mm -hmm. seems like it's a real cash flow exercise where you're digging into your cash flow. And I think a lot of people just don't do that. Yeah. And when you're paying attention to that, you realize you don't need as much as you think, right? If you're thinking about how much money I need to make per month, that view is a little too wide. If you're thinking about how much money do I need each day for lunch or to get through the week, that number can be a lot tighter, right? Like I knew a hundred dollars a week was more than enough. But if I said to someone, I only have $400 a month to spend, they'd be like, oh my, $400, that's it? Mm-hmm. But $100 a week sounds like a lot more when you look at it from that smaller window. Mm-hmm. That actually makes a lot of sense. I like this. So house hacking, eliminating your biggest expense to accelerate your path to financial independence. Talk about that. So now we're smart. We have this solid foundation. We have money in the bank, good credit, no debt. Now we're going to supercharge it because in this position, we still need money. We still have to go to work every day because we still have bills to pay. If you use your first home purchase and you think about it like an investor and you buy a home that pays for itself or limits the financial responsibility you have, now you're starting to reduce your need for money. Because the reason you go to work every day is to pay for a place to live. But if you buy a place that you live that pays for itself, or it is at least generating income so that the financial responsibility you have is reduced, now your need for that income starts to shift. Mm -hmm. 
So when you're talking about turning it into income, is that like Airbnb? Talk about that strategy or tactic. Yeah, it could be a number of things. So the basic principle of a house hack is to purchase a home that generates income. You can do that by buying a single family home that you rent rooms out to roommates. You can buy a single family home that has a mother-in-law suite and you rent that out. You can buy a duplex, a triplex, or a quad and rent out those other units. The more units you have in your property that you're renting out, the less money you're responsible for paying towards the mortgage because those renters are carrying the bulk of that or paying that mortgage. Mm -hmm. So the easiest thing or the best thing you can do for yourself to put you closer to financial freedom is to not bog yourself down with the debt of having to pay your own mortgage. Let somebody else pay it for you. It makes sense. It makes sense. I think about this though. So there's certain things that you have to be able to do to get to this financial independence in the way that you speak of it. And I think about if you're talking to someone about doing this, like overcoming having strangers in your house, right? That's one thing that people would say, because I've talked, I've talked to people about that before. Like, would you Airbnb or rent a room out? Where does that weigh in on the decision to rent this property out if you're going to be in the house living with these people? Well, there are two ways you can look at it. If you are not comfortable with having strangers in your house saying renting a room, you can weigh it, right? Like, okay, would I rather rent these rooms in my house mm -hmm. and not have to go to work mm -hmm. five years from now? Mm -hmm. Or do I want to work for the next 40 years mm -hmm. and have my private space to myself? It depends mm -hmm. on what's more valuable to you. Mm -hmm. But you also don't have to rent rooms in your house. That's what a duplex is for. That's a completely separate living space mm -hmm. for your tenant. If you have a, in, a detached in-law suite or garage apartment or a studio apartment that doesn't share any spaces with your living space, mm -hmm. there are no strangers there. So mm -hmm. I still live in a house hack now. I have an attached garage apartment. My tenant lives there. I live in my house. Mm -hmm. They enter their apartment from the alley. I enter my home from the front street. Mm -hmm. I never have to see them. We never have to cross paths mm -hmm. or share any space. So if that's important to you, you would just choose the layout or the setup that gives you the level of privacy that you need. But before any of that, it's just a scale of what's more important to you. Do mm -hmm. you want to work and have all the finer things you could possibly afford? Mm -hmm. Or do you want freedom? And based on that, that will dictate which way you move. I think it makes sense. I'm just playing devil's advocate on that. But I think it's this level of thinking, right? It's this elevated level of thinking. Like a lot of times we can't get past this week, this month, this year to look at what I want to do in five, you know, the popular question, where do you see yourself in five years? You go to a job interview and people are like, I don't know where I see myself in the week. Like you talking about five years from now. And I think when you look at it, the first thing you said is, what do you want to do? In five years from now, do you want to be doing this? You're looking through everything through that lens of later on. I'm yeah, doing I live in this, the future. And this temporary discomfort or temporary, whatever acronym you want to put on it, whatever word you want to put on it, isn't going to affect like right now is not affecting my later. I need to do this right now so I can get to where I really want to be. People do that in other aspects. I think of students a lot, right? I'm going to go sacrifice. I'm going to college. I got to sacrifice. Even people that go back to school, I'm going to sacrifice this. I'm going to go these four years. I'm going to go these three years. I'm going to do it at night. I'm going to do what I got to do. Then I'm going to move forward. And I think Yeah, they do it in every aspect. Even businesses, they're making five-year plans. They're doing projections. I've always approached life as I'm going to operate as if I'm running the business of me, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm doing a five, 10, 15 year projection. I'm setting yearly goals because this is the business. 
you can't wing it. And a lot of people are just winging like we're just getting up every day, kind of going through the motions. But are we really living? Are we being intentional about the decisions that we're making, what we're investing our time and energy in? And so I guess my priority was to be very intentional so that I was in control of what my life was becoming. And my life wasn't just happening to me. I was creating it. Yeah, just winging it. Like <laughs> you're saying so many things that I've heard, like my clients aren't saying that, but people will come out and say things and then you're like, wow, you didn't plan for that at all. You just think what was supposed to happen. So I like that. And overall, what you're saying makes a lot of practical sense. If what you're trying to do is you think about this and we think about retirement all the time, right? Every time someone's talking to a financial advisor, first words out of their mouth is, oh, I don't have enough money saved for retirement. I need to save more. Or I don't have enough or I need to save more or I want to do this or I should have done that. And all these different things. When if you have that plan that you're talking about or just the idea to see in the future will change what you're doing presently. That's what I'm hearing. Absolutely. I want to control my life. I want to be the author of my story. I don't want things to happen to me and all I'm doing is reacting and surviving what happened. I want to be dictating the trajectory, controlling what's happening. I want to create my path, my life that comes from being the youngest child and wanting to have things my way, whatever that is. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably the motivator, like wanting to have that control over what's happening to me and not to just have to live as a result of the circumstances I found myself in. Absolutely. That makes complete sense. Travel hacking. So I love this because we love to travel. So you said low to no cost strategies for lifestyle enhancement. Yeah, I love it. Enhance our lives. Enhance yes. our lives. So that's the next step, right? So you've been smart. You've made good financial decisions and created a sound budget and you're sticking to your plan. You've eliminated your expenses. So now you're living in a home and someone else is paying for that. So now you don't have any bills, but you still may not have achieved the financial goals that you want or set level of savings or whatever you're targeting but you want to live a little, right? You've been sacrificing, making smart decisions, but you still want to live and enjoy life. And that's where travel hacking comes into play. Being aware of different rewards programs, credit card sign-on bonuses, other strategies that you can use to collect points that you can then redeem for travel is a way that you could enhance your life, right? You're being financially frugal, but that doesn't mean you don't have to enjoy it. You can just take advantage of these other programs, save up enough points and use that to pay for your trips. So for the last seven years, I've been traveling on points. Now it gets deep, but on like very surface level, <laughs> I join rewards programs or loyalty programs so that I'm collecting points anytime I'm interacting with that business or purchasing something for that business. Sometimes I also use credit card sign-on bonuses, but before I got to that, I was already financially responsible, debt-free. And I always pay my credit card bills off in full every month. So I'm never carrying a balance or paying any interest. And the combination of the amount of points I'm able to, to accumulate doing those things, I can redeem for nights at hotels. And that's what I target. So a credit card sign-on bonus, for example, for Hilton is like 125,000 points right now. Where I know for 125,000 points, that's four days in a Hilton in Thailand. Who would not want to go to Thailand and have a free place to stay mm -hmm. just because they bundled all their spending on one card and earned points that way? Or anytime they had to travel for work, they only stayed at Hilton so that they were able to funnel points that way. 
And now by the end of the year, you have enough points to go pay for a vacation. And the lodging is usually the most expensive part. I also follow flight deal trackers. So now not only am I having free lodging, but I'm getting discounted flights. Like for example, we found a flight deal from Orlando to China for 550 bucks on Delta. No brainer. Okay, I got that. I know how long it takes me to save 500. That's a minimal amount. And I have these hotel points. So now all in, it costs me 550 bucks to go to China and stay there for a week because I combine flight deal with travel rewards points for the hotel. So I can still be financially frugal. I can still be saving aggressively to meet my goals, but also enjoy some experience in life. I like that. Now, when it comes to the credit card, how do you get this done? Do you like a spreadsheet? Do you just go to different places? Are you Googling stuff? How do you find what card is going to work the best? I used to Google a lot. So at first I was just doing a lot of Google and research. I followed the points guy. I learned a lot from there. There are a number of travel hackers out there, blogs, Facebook pages, Facebook groups that you can join to get that information. And it can be a lot, right? Because it's a lot mm-hmm. of different places that you're pulling it from. Mm-hmm. I try to share more tips and tricks about that. But there are a number of ways to do it. I used to keep a spreadsheet initially so I know what card did what, but now it's more organic. So I will get a hotel card to get my sign-on bonus. Once I've achieved that, I'm paying off the card and I'm putting it away and only using that when I'm at that establishment. And then I have a credit card that I use for everyday spending. I don't care if it's 50 cents, it's going on a credit card because I want to earn something for every dollar that I spend. So now it's simple. I don't have to have a spreadsheet for that because I use one card for everything all the time. Mm -hmm. And just your daily spending, gas, food, your cell phone bill, that is enough. You don't have to like manufacture any extra spending to like earn enough points. Mm -hmm. Just the regular spending you're doing every day, you were going to spend it anyway, but now you're spending it in a way that it is going to give you something in return. Yeah, I like that because we're in the middle of doing that now. Like we're looking at some stuff that just my wife and I are talking about. We're thinking about getting some different cards and we've been talking about, okay, well, what card do we want? What card would work? So we've been doing a little bit of research, but I was just wondering if there was, you know, because I think I like to put myself in the seat of the listener. And I know that when you listen to these, when I, cause I listen to podcasts too, and I'm like, okay, so which ones, that, you know, which one do you use? You know what I mean? And I know there's not one good one because I've had this conversation a few times, but I think it all depends on where you like to stay. Like, are you a Hilton person? Or are you a Marriott person? Are you a Hyatt person? You know, do you like those three? If you don't, then where do you like to fly? Are you an American Airlines person? Are you Delta? I think all those things play in the part of what it is. But I know some of the cards, like you get the Amex card, it's going to give you like free, you know, you get access to some of those rooms that they have, like at the airports. I can't even think of what they're called, but you know what I'm talking about. Like the lounges. The so lounges. yeah, I'll just tell you what I do. So a tip that I would have, if you want to start in the points hacking, I would start with a trip, like have a trip you want to take the location identified, look at that location, see what hotels are there. And then that'll help you choose what hotel program you want to start with. If they have more Marriott options, start there. If they have more Hilton options, you can start there. So if you just start with a objective or a location, you can back into it based on what hotels are present and what airline carriers go there. So Mm -hmm. now your strategy is guided by, okay, I want to go to Bora Bora. I know that French B flies to Bora Bora from San Francisco. I can catch that flight deal and that they have a strong Hilton presence and some Marriott options too. So I'm good with either one of those. Mm. For me, but I focus on hotel points. So I make sure to have every Marriott card available. 
every Hilton card available and earn those sign-on bonuses. So from Jump, I have a stash to access. And then I do everyday spending on a Chase Sapphire Reserve because they have transfers to Marriott, to Southwest, and to other things, as well as having their own portal where you can book discounted flights or hotels through. So I try to stack and get things that ladder up together. I don't focus on airline cards. You know, some mm. people do, but they usually require a lot more points to redeem. So mm. I wouldn't mess with an airline card unless I had a job where I traveled for work frequently enough that I was going to be earning a lot from the travel flights. Mm-hmm. And I could pair that with what I'd be earning from the card. That makes sense. Because the fire miles, they got the blackout days, they got all this stuff. Hotels usually are a little bit easier to navigate. So that makes sense to me. I like that. So we got a trip. We got a plan. Yeah. Five years. And I try to go as far as possible, right? Like wherever the dollar is stronger. So I know that Southeast Asia, my points are going to be because the dollar is stronger and I don't have to use as many points as I would. So like there's a Hilton in Bali that's mm-hmm. only 5,000 points a night. The oh, Hilton wow. around the corner from my house is going to cost me 50,000 points a night. So a better redemption for me is to go as far as I can. And I mean, like, who don't want to go to Bali? To Bali we go. For 5,000 yeah, points exactly. a night, yeah, we're on our way to Bali. <laughs> I love that. I love that. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And uh, with that, I'm going to ask you these questions. First one is, what motivates, inspires you to learn, grow, and lead? Probably control and freedom. That's been the underlying motivation for everything, wanting to have freedom of choice and time and not have to do things I didn't want to do and being able to control my environment so that I wasn't doing things mm-hmm. that I don't want to do. So maybe that's it. I just don't want to do what I don't want to do. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think that being able to do what you want is invaluable. Do you think education plays a big part in wealth building? I wouldn't say education in the traditional sense, like going to college don't teach you how to build wealth, but education in terms of expanding your awareness of resources that exist of things that could enhance or change your life or just education on like financial management, actual wealth building vehicles, those things, that type of education, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. I think that the education that I've learned outside of school has probably been greater than what I learned in school. I really feel that. If you could offer a piece of advice to our listeners, I'm not going to limit you to one. What would that be? Of course, it's going to be to eliminate your biggest expense. Eliminate the reason you got to work every day if you want more flexibility and freedom of choice of what you do with your time in your life. So house hack, why are you paying your bills when somebody else can't? That's it, house hack. Don't go and buy your dream home with all the bells and whistles and the things you want. Buy the home that's going to allow you to live the life of your dreams. I'm not even going to add nothing to that. That's it. That's powerful. I love that. If people want to get more of the information that you're dropping, stuff that you're saying, places you're going, things you're doing. What social medias are you active on? I'm new to social media, so okay. don't come for me when y'all go on there and y'all see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that much going on. I made a website. It's fearlessandfreefi.com. Okay. So I'm trying to share a little more, some tips and tricks and actually building out the framework for courses to kind of share with people exactly what I did to live mm-hmm. this life now so that you guys can do it too. So you can check that out and then follow me on Instagram at Fearless and Free F-I, not the spam one. So just check the spelling of that. <laughs> so Instagram primarily and then also on Facebook. We'll definitely put links to that in the show notes. 
thank you for coming by and sharing of your knowledge with our community today. It's been incredible. And I learned something. I'm like, I'll put it to you this way. Next trip we go on because we follow each other on Instagram. We see those pictures. No, those pictures came from this conversation. I promise you that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm excited to share. I'm just glad that people are getting something out of it that I can share something. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is going to be very valuable. In closing, I want to thank you again. And as you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here, and until next time, 